We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Sharon D.A.K. Blazy Gardner, Survivors Tier members, that's why I don't have to say it three times, Jasmine.iac on Instagram, we got Bridget, ex-prophecy girl on Twitter, and Aliza Jones 71 on Instagram as well. All three Survivors Tier members, and you could be a Survivors Tier member, I think there's one slot left in our Kofi memberships. It's ko-fi.com slash squawking dead. Join us during our recordings either on camera, if you have the right tier, the survivors tier, or you could join us in the audience in the real-time chat. We're here to talk about the ninth episode of season 11, the mid-season premiere, well, the second trimester premiere of The Walking Dead's 11th and final season, which was interesting. I, I, I've watched it three times, including our Dave Reacts, which should already be out. Actually, the first thing I wanted to do was, because I was waiting for an actual episode bring, a breakdown to bring this up in our conversations because I had received some. This is how long we have done an episode breakdown. We've done tons of interviews, though. We've done an interview with ba Bailey Gavlik. We did that in October, but we only aired it uh, Christmas week. The, the week, be well, no, just, just before Christmas, we did a bunch of episodes. We did an interview with Christine Evangelista. You can catch that on our YouTube and or podcast. That was really awesome. And we're still promoting. We just I just released the blog as of this recording today, which contains a bunch of pictures, uh, references to, to some of the things we talked about, like the Netflix series, uh, Strip Down, Rise Up. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it. But, but I have the link there for you when you want to. But yeah, a bunch of bunch of references, bunch of pictures, uh, and obviously the audio and video for your enjoyment. Uh, what else? We did the Jackbox Games charity live stream. If you want to watch all seven hours of that, that was interesting too. <laughs> Although we got a lot of you know YouTube watch hours from that, so that was that paid off a little bit. And it was a fun ride. I think I think I, I'm definitely interested in doing something like that again. But I wanted to actually read out some holiday cards. <laughs> that I received uh, since then. And it's February, the middle of February, but might, I might as well. Yeah, the I first got one is, last, yes, the other day. I just got Rachel's yesterday, <laughs> oddly enough. So this is Rachel's, this is the front of the card. Peace on earth, will come to stay. And uh, this one says, happy holidays, Dave and Evie. I read this to Evie already, so it's kosher. Uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing me into, and basically giving me the family I have now. Evelyn, thank you for being the most understanding wife in the world and have a wonderful holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh what it says here when we live christmas crossed out hanukkah every day so there you, go. you see that right here <laughs> that was cute uh next one's from uh we've got katie her instagram is glenn's green glenn's green balloons green underscore balloons right. yeah well let me show you the card peace on earth it's cool nice very cool i love pine trees who doesn't hope you've been well and this year's been good to you you better be coming to Fandemic or the camp. Have a fabulous rest of the year. Your friend, Katie. Here's to a beautiful holiday se season. Merry Christmas. Since you're talking about Katie, may I show something really quickly? This is what she sent me. Okay, steady, Aww. steady. Oh, it's like your fleece blanket. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What it, that was from Katie. And from the audio, uh, so for the audio podcast, it's a, it's like Sharon D's fleece blanket. It has John and June in the front from probably season five, I would say. Yeah, season yeah, five. Yeah, it's from Humbug's Gold. Yeah, that's right. And like the little bit, is that wedding in the background or was that like just them? This is all from Humbug's Gold. Hmm. The artist is um, Karen A, C-A-R-I-N-A-E underscore D. Oh, Karina D, yeah. Karina, yeah. Yeah, we know her. We, we, did, we did some work with her uh, for giveaways when we first started out. She's great. She does a bunch of different things. Here's my gift from Eliza. Oh, yeah. That's the, that the Breathe, Breathe With Me poster. 704. 704. Featuring Sarah Benowitz. And we actually gave that one away. Th this is one of those limited... Releases, right? Yeah, Numbered there, were, and signed. there was only five yeah. of those. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. From Kirk Manley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of them. You can check that out. Oh. We hope we go to Mo. We hope it's number one. <laughs> of five, I think it is. No, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. <laughs> You're number one, Eliza. I've got, I think I've got number yeah, three. Yeah, Moses too. Yeah, I've got three. Yeah. Moses in second place. Anyway, so I got this last card here a, a little while ago, obviously. This one's from Yvette. We call her Vetty. In the BMNY chat, this is peace and love throughout this season. It's a little snowflake there with a, you know, snowflakey tree. And this one says, Dear Dave and family, and, and into the new year, wishing you a very merry season and fabulous 2022. Lots of love, Vetty and Marco Jr. That's very nice. She's, she's the best. She's been sending these since, since we started, too. I, I got this funky scarf from her, too, which I, she, she, she knitted us both scarves, me and my wife. And I took my wife's scarf because it's way more outlandish. <laughs> I gave her the muted scarf, like the white, and, <laughs> white, blue, and light print. Like you know, it's like okay, normal looking. I took the one with purple and yellow and nice. little stringy bits of uh, what looks like uh, what is that called? Tinsel. It almost looks like tinsel. Purple tinsel. She's the best. As far as this episode goes, why don't we start with? I, I wanted to start with how this episode made you feel before we start describing things and going into things in detail, uh, because I can easily see people having a different um, like emotional or overall feeling about this episode like whether it was satisfying that's that's something we can talk about it took me like a couple of watches to really really feel the impact of this episode because there's a lot going on talk about the stark difference between the between ensemble and um anthology style episodes because we're following a lot of threads and very very interesting things happen in parallels with each set of characters I felt like some things fell flat, but overall, because of what they did at the end, we're, we're being set up for a whole lot of finality. There's just the feeling of finalness. There's, there's something's coming to an end. And how it's going to end is going to really, is, is what doesn't give me too much hope, even though I know where they're headed. They're painting a picture of bleakness, even though I know where they're going. So there's going to be like a lot of uh, light against dark or dark against white background or white against black background, but I, I'm thinking the former. Just darkness nestled within white, a white background of, of hope for the future. But for now, it's, it's pretty somber, I've got to say. Doesn't give me much hope for some characters. But Lisa, what did you, how did you feel about this episode? But well, by the time you finish watching it. Extreme levels of frustration okay. towards like the first half of it. And then I also felt that kind of just foreboding towards the end. But the first half, just high levels of frustration with several different characters. Very much a, a dark foreboding towards the, the back half of the episode. How about you, Bridget? Well, one, I was just excited that Walking Dead was back on. So like... I had that like that I don't know I've been watching since 2010 so I had that like that like excitement like that butterfly stump like stomach feeling where I was like so excited that the show was going to be back on and then insanely sad because I know that it's coming to an end and it's like wow you felt all those things and I'm yeah. and I'm such a like an emotional person I cry a ton which you guys don't know because I can pretend that I don't cry on the internet but I cry a lot I'm a big crier and yeah. so I can tell that like as we get closer and closer like these episodes are going to become more and more emotional for me because I just there's such a connection there because of my personal life and what I was going through at the time when I like first started watching to now like my life is very different now so I just, oof, it's just a lot, like a lot bubbles up. But with the episode itself, because I watched it more than once. I Wait, guess... do you feel like you had to? That you had to watch it more than once yeah. to get? Um, 
I felt like if I didn't watch it a second time, would I really be qualified to talk about it? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and that's, I appreciate I had that. My like initial like gut reaction to it, but my initial yeah. gut reaction to the episodes always is I love the show so much that I'm just immediately happy. But after that or, or shocked or, or whatever, like emotion is meant, it's meant to elicit like in that first watch. But then when I watch it a second time, you know, things come up that I'm like, well, that I'm not one of those people that wants to eviscerate episodes. I am not. I, I love the show. But things come up that I'm like, ugh, like that doesn't make any sense. Or similar or, to Elisa, basically. Yeah, we'll find out yeah, soon. Where enough. There's like little bits of frustration and it's bits of frustration because and it's involved in the plot. And I'm sure that the writers meant for it to kind of bring out some of that. But I don't get it yep. until the second watch. I totally think you have to watch again because you're right. We watch for the first time for just the sheer pleasure of oh, it's back on, and then you've got to watch again and rewatch again and rewatch again to really pay attention to the different nuances and the different what they call them the Easter eggs that get put in that you really have to pay attention to that lead you down a different path. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode. I thought. Wait, may I cut in for a second? Have we ever had you on for a Walking Dead episode? Uh, no, because I didn't join until after the... She's a virgin. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm letting that stand. That's, that's <laughs> I'm going to make the cut, she's a virgin, and then go straight to Jasmine. <laughs> Not real. I mean, have it on the fear on the world beyond No, you episodes. need to cut to Eugene. You need to cut to Eugene. I'm a virgin. We're all friends. We're all friends. Like, that's what it's going to I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. That's awesome. The the first half of the episode, the 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 like the Reapers storyline, I actually found that like really satisfactory. I liked like all the badass scenes, like the Gabriel moments, the Carver fight, Maggie going absolutely ape shit. <laughs> so I really enjoyed all that. That didn't frustrate me. Um, something that I was a bit disappointed with was like the Alden reveal because I didn't feel like like as much as I love the character of Alden, I didn't feel that emotional connection to him. And I don't know. I feel like that scene could have maybe been done better. And then in terms of like, you know, them returning to Alexandria and then the reveal of like the Commonwealth showing up, like that is just made me like so excited and so nervous at the same time. Because in terms of like 11A, the Commonwealth storyline, that's what I've been focused on. Like I enjoyed some of the Reaper arc, but it's like nice to like get past that and like start moving forward. Well, yeah, especially because the, the Reapers are just superior to everybody in, in just in terms of physicality, at least. And also... In terms of morality, they're just completely yeah. stuck in some sort of wartime PTSD, whatever you, you want to call it. Like that everybody's the enemy and we're the only one that's, the ones that should be around. So of course everybody wants to get past it. <laughs> like, when, when can we deal with the, the lame shit? I mean, when, and when you compare it, like, okay, there's the lame shit of the Commonwealth, because it is kind of lame. In terms of like the change in format of the show typically from where it's been the last 10, uh, you know, sorry, 12 years, really, which is to say, Oh, we're not fighting one enemy to the next. We're not trying to overcome this one dick to, to another dick. This is more like okay, politics. But we're so dealing with Jonestown. But you saw yeah. how that turned out. But but less Kool Aid. Yeah. You know. I mean, I'm I'm quite excited <laughs> but, to I'm excited to see where this is gonna go. It was flavor aid. I just wanna. That is a common misconception. Oh. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that correction. I will take that correction. It's it's the it was the bargain basement Kool Aid, <laughs> but yeah, it, it it deals with politics, which is a battle on a different plane, you know, which is not something we're used to. I mean, we got we got hits of it at at the sanctuary. We got hints, of it, albeit 
completely dictatorship style. We got hints of it in Woodbury a little bit, but you know, just like The Walking Dead, brutality and inhumanity kind of just take over eventually, right? But this is going to be a whole other animal. This is not about, you know, who has the biggest guns. This is about what we ultimately want as a society versus what we're getting. It may still deal with blood and guts, but on a whole different arena, let's say. But Sharendy, this is why I kept you for last, because I know there's you're going to be way more descriptive in your feelings. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and I welcome it. She's the finisher. She's the closer. Well, first of all, I want to say, Bridget, I love your doggy. Oh, He's up on the bed behind you. I keep seeing him walking around back there. <laughs> on the whole, I, I really like the episode. I really like the Mag- Maggie, Negan, Leah, Daryl. I love that part. Okay. The part back at Alexandria. Eh, and I have reasons I'm going to go into about that later. That, that I could have taken or leave, take or leave that whole section. And to me, it kind of felt like the end when everybody was back in Alexandria. It almost felt like that was kind of tacked on. Like, I feel like it should have ended. Like, not even with everybody coming back. They should have ended the episode at at Meridian and then started the I mean it just it just felt forced to me it just felt kind of shoehorned in there and especially the part with the with the commonwealth at the at the end which I'm mean, going to understand why they did it I under, it, and that's an interesting way to go about it to have give us a hint of what's coming you know 6 months down the road that that was interesting and all but I, it just felt weird to me like I feel like they should have ended it at Meridian and put the, them coming back. Well, the just in terms of storytelling. Yeah. They're trying to put out. so yeah. much information into these last few. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I understand. I mean, right. I mean, I yeah, understand yeah. why. It's just, it was, it just didn't feel, it just right. felt wrong to right. me when no, I was I watching it. You know, like, like it didn't, it didn't really take away from the enjoyment of the episode or anything. That part just yeah. felt kind no, of No, I, I understand that. that. That makes sense. I loved the Meridian parts. I know we're going to go into that later. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, on on the whole, I really enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Did you feel the same frustrations that that uh, Eliza and Bridget expressed? Mostly, there were things that frustrated me, but it wasn't with the like with the episode mm-hmm. itself. It was things that people in the episode mm-hmm. were doing. Yeah. I, I think that's what they're yeah, referring that's to. Exactly yeah. where my frustrations yeah. are about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as cheesy as those firework kills were, that was awesome. I loved it so much. I was like, this is so cheesy and so 80s horror movie. And I, I, that is my jam. Like, I am obsessed with like bad horror movies and that like B list kind of thing. And so that was awesome. I, I love that. Did you expect that though? Because I, I was, when I, we were doing the research for what, what the Huacha does, really, it, it really was meant to repel people from fortified locations, let's say, which, you know, it was from a, uh, an above location that they were shooting it, accurate. But, it, I didn't expect to do the damage that it was doing. I Not at all. No, I didn't either. And I was actually, I, like, I looked up what it was. Obviously, I think everyone did that after that episode yeah. where they introduced it. Like, What's a what is this? <laughs> so I looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, like, I get that. So it's like, you know, essentially having, like, a bunch of archers, kind of. Like, that's what I figured. So I, I guess it's just one of those examples of, like, they would use what they have access to. And, like, who the hell is going to go looking for fireworks in the apocalypse? Like, those are all going to get left behind. So, like, it made, it made sense in a or way. Or not work. But it was, yeah. it was, it was weird. And, it, like I said, it was cheesy. But I just, I loved every second of that. It was awesome. They totally could have made their own Yeah, that would make that. more sense to me. They're munitions experts and whatnot, you know. That's been, like, the baffling part about the Reapers coming in. Because now we've, like, gotten used to this whole world where there's, like, not really guns and bullets and stuff anymore and then these people come in and they have all that stuff still or they make all that stuff still yeah well i mean and also being mercenaries there's no reason to think that they didn't have a large supply of that stuff already so wherever they were staying there you know they possibly had all these 
bullets and guns and all that already supply already and in they the know probably like she said you know being munitions people how to utilize their things that they were able to find to make into explosives and you know even in um in humbug's gulch in fear john was taking a box of bullets because he was going to take the powder out of them to yeah. to make explosives yeah. or something john dory for people so um you know they they could have made definitely made all their own munitions yeah, and I expect that much too. Like, and I, I think about some of my army buddies and what the knives that they have. Let's say I'm just going down to brass tacks. Like knives that they have, they're military grade. They'll they're almost indestructible. I mean, everything that they have on their per- person will stand the test of time. They'll oil them, rub them, uh, sharpen them. I thought that was what all men did. I, you know, are we talking about Merle again? <laughs> just rubbing his nub. Anyway, so all right. But anything else to say about the? <laughs> It's more of an easy oh. joke, everybody. You want to know what we're talking? Wasn't that the first secret, secret Santa? That's a secret Santa joke, y'all. That's the first secret Santa. <laughs> Head over to, to Blazy Gardner's YouTube channel and watch the first secret Santa video we did. You'll understand what I mean. Rubbing his nubs. Oh, it's just the best I one. Think, yeah, uh, I, I had four Merle. <laughs> rubbing nubs and sharpening knives. As far as that scene goes, when that guy was kicking Maggie's butt yeah. in the little trailer they were in. And that guy picked her up and slammed her against the wall. And I, while I was watching, I went, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Maggie's I mean, a and beast. the only yeah. way she got him was the nut, nut cruncher. She got her ass kicked a lot so far. That's yes, what did. every woman's go-to, you know, needs yes, to did. be, you know. Oh, okay. So now that, now that Aliza just opened up a door for me, now that Aliza just said that, can I please just go off on what I'm yeah, upset about? sure. I think we closed the door on, on the watcher. Aaron, what are you doing? Why have you not taught Gracie to fight? How can this kid be six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old and not know how to protect herself? What are you doing? Blowing a damn whistle. Do you know what you know what he's doing? He is creating a Sam Anderson. I mean, I don't know. Because she is so scared, she is not gonna know what to do when when her and Judith are in the basement, she was absolutely zero help, yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. She just stood there and screamed. The kids are getting some training, though. No, no, no. If she had training, then she would be doing something. She's, oh, help me, Judith. Help me, Judith. What? No. And who trained? No. I'm just looking at Jasmine. No. <laughs> Get Rosita. Get Rosita to train this kid. Why, this is, why do you, why do you have This is a really Judith good discussion. Teaching Carol, like, Carol, yeah. I'm so angry at Aaron. I can't. I'm so mad at him for not teaching this child. But hold on a minute. Like, okay, this this is where I'm I'm gonna go in and be the guy to do the things. I think we can all agree that that there are gonna be some kids that just don't get it, even though they want to get it. Clearly, Gracie has expressed, "I want to know how to fight," but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, in that one episode. Which is why you get Rosita I to just, train her. I just like like okay, you want even even Huck. I remember Huck and Hope. Hope talking about the learn. walking to world. She yeah. wasn't good at it, but she was still able to kill a walker. For a second, can we just reflect on the fact that Judith like dropped her sword after no killing like after killing like two walkers, and then they're like, and Judith's two years older. Judith only managed two more walkers than Gracie. Well, yeah, with I mean, an excess, with an excess of extra training, she drops her sword after killing like two walkers. They are children. Yeah. Maybe they're just starting to learn. Maybe like within the like the last three months, like they've decided like since the whisperers, like now it's time we need to actually train these kids. And they're still very new to the training, and she obviously hasn't had 
any real world kind of safe practice. Like she hasn't been to like the beaches of Oceanside and like sw- swung around a sword in a safe environment. I agree with you, but why not? Why hasn't she? Um, why has Aaron, he's her dad, why is he not yeah, doing but- his job and teaching this child? There's no time. I'm sorry. Carl was doing that. Carl, no, there's, they've had seven years. She should have had a sword in her hand by the time she was three years old. Well, she don't you remember Carol got learning. in trouble for teaching the little kids? <laughs> and and look what happened there. None of those kids knew how to protect themselves and they all died. But they, they are still very young in this time. They're very young. Not everybody's going to take to it as quickly as everybody's different. But I also think we are forgetting that there was an entire whisperer war, which, you know, spanned like, what, a year and a half, I think, technically in real world time. Which, how old was she then? Let me take, let me dial it back a little bit. I think as a father, and maybe you're right, you know, there's an argument where, where you're definitely right. Okay, maybe as a father, Aaron wants to shield Gracie from the horrors of the world, which is what Alexandria was supposed to stand for. Mm. And, you know, I think we can agree with that, what it was supposed to be. And then it all went to hell in a handbasket in the last two years, in real world times. And of course, circumstances change, and maybe he should have been more prepared. But, you know, we're, we're Monday morning quarterbacks. <laughs> That's well, just my opinion. You know, Gracie... Yeah? We have a certain vantage point where we know what happens. Gracie just... She doesn't have the exact the same mindset as, you know, I don't even think Little Herschel. I think he's probably got more of a mindset, you know, of protection and, and being safe. You know, Gracie was the one who stood by the window that, you know, got the attention of the walkers to the house. And then blowing the whistle, which brought more walkers. If it is her her age and her naivety and the fact that she has been so sheltered, sheltered. from it. Um, but that is Aaron's fault. In this world that they're in, they can't have a Sam or they can't have another Lizzie. They've got to teach the kids the way that Michonne and, and Rick taught Judas from a very young age. But the, you, know? you know what the opposing argument to that is, though, is that Aaron doing that would be anti his character as well. Aaron was the one always bringing people in, trying to get people to safety, always engendering the human heartbeat of the show, uh, in a sense, in a sense. So, I mean, I'm sure he supports the children getting training, but it just doesn't seem like his character to want that for Gracie ultimately, ultimately. After 12 years in the apocalypse, they should know that you have to teach your kids how to survive. Yes, it is 12 years because they say it and here's Negan. This isn't now this isn't a civilized world this is the apocalyptic world you can't right. shield your kids from everything you have to teach them they have to know or they're gonna die they made that mistake with sam sam was sheltered look what happened to him and jesse by the way so what's gonna happen to aaron is he gonna die trying to save gracie because he did not teach her how to survive that would be an interesting plot point this is why i'm mad and it's i'm not mad, no, at, you're gracie. mad at Aaron. she's just a kid i am mad at I am mad at the adults in Alexandria for not taking the steps to teach these children how to defend themselves in this world. I think they've been trying, but it just, in when met with actual adversity, yeah. Gracie crumbles. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's down to a genetics. Save your oh, genetics. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> save your genetics. Save your, save your genetics. <laughs> Make dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other conversation you know what i often find is when we're mad at someone it's mostly because we want that young person to be safe i don't even like kids but i I still don't want to get you know kind of fast forward (laughs) it's a callback when we see rosita and we see daryl as commonwealth soldiers 
I think they go there and try to acclimate there for the kids that are under their guardianship and their, or their, or are their children. And, and speaking of kids, who's going to take care of Adam? Who's got Adam now? Right. Alden's Alden has expired as we've seen in the show. And, and that's actually the first thing I thought of actually, when we see the zombie corpse of Alden crawling towards Maggie and the, yeah. which arguably to me paralleled the John and June thing oh, a little bit. Just 100%. That was exactly my first thought was just because oh. the approach and she wasn't afraid of him biting her and everything. But to your point, Lisa, that's what the backdrop of the rest of the season is going to be like. It's going to be, is this what we want for our kids? Do we want to have them fight in this Kundalini yoga, yoga scenario where we're constantly on edge and we really have to understand the dangers of this world? Yeah. Or do we want a better world and make s- tremendous social sacrifices to be in that world? That's what we're going to be end up contending with. If you want your kid to see that better world, they have to right. survive the one they're in. Uh, unless you pull the ripcord and you go with the Commonwealth. That's really what they're going to be faced with. But they don't know, but they don't know the Commonwealth right. is coming right. until now. But now that they're here, and they're officially here, and this kind of brings back a conversation that we actually had uh, a little while ago. I said, well, does it make sense that everybody needs to know everything? I need to know how to defend myself. I need to know how to make wicker baskets. I need to know how to make bread. I need to know how to fish. I need to know how to raise, you know, grow crops. I need to, or does it make more sense to segment the population to certain specialties? This is an expert fighter that knows maybe some other things. This is a, a basket weaver that knows how to do other things. You know what I mean? And, and I, I got a lot of shit for it. <laughs> I said, maybe it is better to know your specialty and learn how to live a more balanced life that way. You can, you can have car- compartments, that's fine. But, and I'm sorry, I'm keep, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but if you're going to survive in order to use these skills that you have, these compartmentalized skills, you have to survive. Everyone should know how to fight. Everyone. What if you get separated? You're a basket weaver, that's great. You can weave baskets and you can cook. But if you get separated from the group, you're going to die. And then your basket weaving and your cooking doesn't matter. Is everybody expected to be able to fight in this, you know, to the same level, let's say? No, and but they, to protect oneself, yes. But to, sure. the, to fight to the same level of, of Carol or Daryl or Rosita, no. But to protect yourself, yeah. I, I, just, I just think they've shown us her trying to train, and I feel like it's just not taking. And I think that's everybody though. I feel like there are some things that some people just can't do. And so what do you do then? I'm sure there's a- adults that don't know at the level that may- they may sh- need to, that probably have already died. Let's just, just say that already, that they've probably already died or there are still some left, but they, they, they want to be at a level where they're hundred percent capable of protecting themselves, but they're just not there. They've had to rely on others in some way. Well, I mean, look at Eugene for the most part, like he slowly over, t- slowly over time, acclimated to, to being able to fight. but we, And we got to see that in real time. I guess all I'm saying is that everybody has their own pace. And maybe Gracie has yet to find it. The scene where Aaron comes in to like save the kids. I wrote this in my notes. That was like Aaron's like heroic like dad moment. Because he got to come in and then like slam down, you know, his arm into the walker's head. But what I wrote for that that scene was that walkers are a threat again. Which like for a while, I know that was a lot of like fan feedback was like the walkers that we're seeing are, are not a threat like in the walking dead you know proper tv show and and so there were there were some complaints about that and this brought in that threat and the whole time i thought this is gonna be like that scene where wasn't it bob got bit in the water they were in like that basement collecting canned food 
That's what I kept thinking of. At I the, was like, oh my God, he's going to get bit under the water. Yeah, at the charity. He's not going to see yeah. one of the walkers. And so like, I had like genuine anxiety during that scene. So I just, I wanted mm -hmm. to bring that up. You know, we saw it earlier in season 11 with like the episode with uh, Lauren uh, Ridloff, the, the Connie focused episode where we saw more of those. Yeah, we saw the more Pharaohs? of those like mm -hmm. horror moments. And I, I'm just thankful that that's back. Oh, you know, I did want to mention one more thing about that scene. There's a moment that Lydia and he have that is like this interesting resolution mm -hmm. to season 10, them in season 10. Complete. Which is, she mm -hmm. goes, you would do the same for me after rescuing him. And I thought that was very interesting because he really didn't <laughs> back in season 10. She was being bullied. He did nothing, Yeah. you know, over and over again. And then it ended up him not doing something, ended up not causing, stirring a bunch of shit with Negan and the paranoia. If he had just nipped it in the bud, the bullying, there wouldn't be as much of a heightened atmosphere at Alexandria when the whispers when it weren't even around then, even though they were assembling the herd. Well, he didn't he didn't show her a lot of compassion when yeah. they went back to Hilltop. He still was kind of like, yeah. you know, it's her. So for for yeah. him, that was a very much a a redemptive moment in regards to his relationship with Lydia. I mean, look at how I that love makes that her he look. Paused too. though, because she like said it. And then he pauses and it's almost like he thinks like, yeah, I would like now I would do that for you. It was, it meant more by him pausing than just being a re reactionary. She doing the right thing anyway, regardless of how she's been treated. Yeah. Which I, I get, I just going to put a pin is a perfect parallel to the goings on to the rest of the other side of this episode. Mm -hmm. When it, when it comes to Leah and Maggie, Maggie and Leah. It's also a parallel to yes. Alden and Gamma. Because no matter what Gamma did, Alden treated her like shit. Wouldn't let her see the baby. Wouldn't let her touch the baby. Wouldn't let her hold the, hold Adam. It was the same moment where Lydia was being treated like shit by Aaron anyway. Yeah. So, which, you know, when we went over that too, uh, Rachel got me on her side a little bit on, on the fact that like, you know, well, maybe you're right though. Maybe Gamma shouldn't be near Adam. Maybe just because you want to be doesn't mean you ought to be. But Lydia has sacrificed. Lydia has had to put up with a lot of shit. Gamma fought yeah. with Hillside. Yeah. I mean, Hillside. But we didn't know. Hilltop. You know, we, they, she didn't know yet. Uh, we didn't know that she was going to fight on behalf of the Hilltop. And at any point in time, she probably could have been just, doesn't even matter. The fact is she hasn't accrued the trust, you know, yet. Mm -hmm. We want to trust her, but we, she's not there yet. That sort of thing. And we've seen that across the Walking Dead universe. You think about Alden. Alden was a savior. And look at the dynamic of how he changed. That's the irony, right? You know, we haven't seen Maggie that emotional over someone since Glenn. Yeah, and I'm thinking about season nine. Nope, Because nope, she wasn't nope, around nope, when nope. Jesus got killed or A or not or Jesus. She was emotional Jesus, at the end of season eight, though, if you remember. Yeah. When finally we had Negan in our clutches and never again after that. I do want to put a fo foothold here where I think maybe because that scene might have felt a little flat where Maggie discovers Alden's walker body because of the span of our time i think you're putting notes on on all the few times we've seen her be super emotional after glenn mm -hmm. few times and there are they are pretty big time like i was i shook when she exploded with just fury at rick's decision to keep negan alive i yeah, i yeah. was shaken i was not shaken by this i i know in my head the significance of this moment what alden represents him dying second chances I know what it was like to see and want Alden to be, to be a part of Hilltop, even though he was penned in for several episodes. Again, span of time, accruing trust, you know, showing that you can be trustworthy mm -hmm. and, but, and seeing it. And that's the beauty of film. 
But in this moment, because of our span of time, our pandemic, our the mm-hmm. the gaps mm-hmm. between yeah within season 10 10c and then and then the huge gap until we right. got season 11 right. i i can only imagine how much more powerful that scene is going to be for somebody who's binge watching the show for the first time maybe they they'll feel it a lot better i i binge watched the entire season 1 to uh, 11 in the run up with my flatmate who'd never seen it before and she she said to me as well when we were watching that scene like after we finished watching that scene like she said even though i like alden like i just didn't feel anything that scene and she's just coming out fresh from a complete binge watch good to know let me say that's probably because we already figured he was going to be dead even though there's not a big span of time even if you're binging there's still what seven like five episodes where we don't see him again because it's episode three, they leave him in the church. And then you don't see him again until nine. So that's six episodes that we're already yeah. like, all, he's already dead. The easiest hack here is the fact that, just like Carl in a way, like as impactful or they, impactful they tried to make his death, the fact that he died off screen, technically, when you die off screen, it, there, there's just something taken away. We, we lo- it's just, Think about like watching Tyrese die across the enti- an entire episode, practically. That was super powerful. Yeah, We got to see a journey into darkness. And then going back to Alden, well, we got to see him stabbed, but for, like you said, for several episodes, and then he dies off screen. Carl technically died off screen, but the lead up to him dying was enough. I did not right. need to see Carl die. I cried like a fucking baby yeah. to the lead up. So I, I was totally, it did, I, that did I, not I, lessen I, the I, impact. I, I was the same way with Sasha. I knew what Sasha had done, and it was... It was torture watching that whole scene of Sasha taking that ride and those memories and that music. And it was like, ah, oh, fuck, you know. Uh, watching Carl write the letters and do the hand, paint the hands with Judith and pick the tomatoes. Oh, my God. I, I just watched when it the other night. I was like, yeah. Judith in the tunnels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cried. But do you think Alden died from his wounds or do you think he was killed by the, the Reaper? Because he was crawling. Why would he be crawling unless, like, the Reaper broke his back or something? It could definitely be the Reaper, but it looked like the Reaper had been dead for a while. Do you know what I mean? So it could be like one of their friends that just just happened to hobble in and go. Rawr, rawr, rawr. But I was thinking, if he bled out, which it seems it most likely was, like it could be that he doesn't have enough blood. juices juices to stand up. Blood juices. <laughs> I mean, is it blood? <laughs> it's, it's mostly syrup. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just goopy, goopy, gelatinous. You plasma. You. Two reapers that died in a church yeah, in this yeah. episode. We've seen um, people who've uh, who died from bleeding out in there. The walkers are kind of just not that... Healthy. Yeah, they can't stand up on their own sort of thing. Yeah. They're just kind of... I mean, look, look, look at John when he washed up on the shore. Okay, don't look at John when he washed up on the shore. Yeah, but... Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he was okay, bleeding okay, out. Okay, okay. But we watched Gage get his chest ripped open um, and blood pour out, and he yeah, was he just standing really... up. I think he was being held up. I don't want cool. Charity to be a walker. <laughs> <laughs> you want her to bleed out? I what? said I don't want her to be a walker. Oh, no, none of us want that. Why, why would you scare me? <laughs> oh, she's saying, she's saying <laughs> that would frighten her, just in general. <laughs> just as a side comment, besides all the kick, kick-ass scenes that we got to see with Hondo Maris, who played, uh, I think it was Hondo Maris, right? Who plays... um. Carver? Yeah, I love that. I just want to say that that scene with Carver and Maggie and Deegan and Elijah made me laugh so hard. Really? I laughed the entire time. I was like, this is so funny. Okay, look. 
Our, we're, our guys are the heroes. Our big bad fighters, they go kick everybody's ass. Oh, we just whoop everybody. And then they get in there with Carver. He kicks all their asses just himself. It was so funny. It was so funny. Oh, let me speak up for Rachel. She said that it was totally accurate because in reality, a mercenary guy would kick all their asses just like that very easily. Yeah. So that, that was... There you go, Rachel. <laughs> I think it really gave the Reapers some, like, justice because if they'd have just gone down super easy, like, yeah, we're just able to kill them all, that would kind of take away from, like, the big threat that they made them out to be in, like, the episode, yeah. like, 10C, that, what's that one that they were in? Pope Mark you? 1017. That guy? 1017, yeah, the Pope Mark you guy. And, like, that whole kind of build that we have to, like, the first time we see them to, like, you know, them, like, making out that they're total badasses. I think when we were seeing, like, Leah and Daryl and they were in there together, it almost kind of, like, made them, like, look a little bit less of a threat. You know, when Daryl was able to easily, like, get them away from Maggie and they were all just, like, hiding in the little bottom thing. I think that redeemed them as an enemy to have that badass fight scene. Yeah, in case you may have not appreciated their frighteningness, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that scene. Yeah. I, I didn't, but I can see a world in which, because we're all desensitized clods who think we know better, that I'm uh, included, you know? So every, every, every now and again, like, walkers are dangerous. Carl, Carl getting bit, that was the number one thing for me. It's like, oh, they, they can still do that. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, even the guy oh, that shit. fought Daryl kicked his ass with a kick across the table, you know? That young kid named yeah. Austin. Yeah. 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 Which I noted because the fact that this kid was a kid, he just looked very young, was one of those things that I noted because, like, we're talking about family. We're talking about the people you want to protect. And the guy says for Pope, you know, oh, it's my dad's like my dad. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and it looked like Daryl didn't want to have to kill this kid. You see him, like, fighting for his life because obviously this kid's enormous, like 50 plus. <laughs> but he's choking him out. You know, he's, he's already stabbed in the gut. He's like, ah, shit, you know, I got to kill this kid. But after that fight, there's a concerted effort from Daryl to not kill anymore. Yeah. Because one of the things we noted before in Four Blood was him not hesitating when it comes to killing that guy just after Leah killed Pope. Just, just not hesitating, not thinking that Leah may have a reaction to this or, mm -hmm. oh, that, that she has family too. And that if you ever loved her, you may not want to not hesitate killing her family. There's a concerted effort for him to say we're doing this wrong. Kind of what um, Mancia says to Gabriel. Mancia is the yeah. minister guy who has that conversation. He kind of says, no one's above saving. And I feel like that scene All, all of every awesome. single moment that Gabriel was on the show yeah. in this episode was amazing. Every single moment. Hashtag. Yeah, yeah, hashtag yeah. what? Hashtag what? Yeah. Call me Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. But Negan's uh, over here, <laughs> shit, you. Yeah. you know. And then the uh, bell, when he's like, well, well, ding, ding. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> let, me, let me get my Neggy in here, because when she stood up off the floor, and she looked at Negan, and he looked at her. Mm -mm. He's like, I got you, boo. I got you, boo. <laughs> and she's looking at him, and he was looking at her, and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something going on there. If Maggie didn't have any respect for Negan, she wouldn't have given him a say in that, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there. Yeah, it's respect, all right. <laughs> so, I I was wondering, as you brought up the thing about how Daryl, like, kills that other guy without really thinking much about it. Yeah, is that what triggers this, like, weird reaction from Leah, where all of a sudden now she has just taken on Pope's vendetta 100%? 
despite the fact that she killed him because he was getting all of her people killed. You know what? I I had thought about that. A lot happened in one second that, like, literally what you're asking changed the course of how this could have come down. He even says at the end of this episode, this is not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But she regards him as a liar because it's like, if you love, kind of like, if you love me, why would you not hesitate killing my family? That sort of thing. Now, after thinking about it months later, because it's been months, the one thing that I thought, and, the, and again, fully recognizing that we're all Monday morning quarterbacks who weren't in there in the moment. Daryl kills this guy because he knows that she killed Pope. So in a sense, he, he's also killing this guy because... Protecting her. Uh, protecting Leah. But she doesn't regard it as such. And giving Leah her due, it's not even giving her a chance to say, to say her piece, mm -hmm. to say why she did it. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she just rolls with it anyway. She goes, yeah, Daryl killed Pope, eh, which is to her benefit. You know, why have to deal with that? What does what Mancia says? <laughs> he says, making peace is hard, you know? And if they found out that, uh, that she's the one who killed Pope, uh, that's going to be a fractured family, which is something that we're learning is what Leah does not want, but also now doesn't have a choice in. It just seemed like such a drastic change from the, that previous you know, situation where we're seeing them on the roof and then she's like so upset about her family. And then all of a sudden now everybody is just dying because she's so adamant because it's not even like they could have left. They could have left and everybody, you know, would have been fine. And most likely Maggie wouldn't have come after them, but Negan would have said like, you would have gone after them anyway. Cause she was so, you know, she was on her vendetta about the whole thing. Theoretically, Lee could have just left and her and her family would have been okay. But she, she tells Carver on the radio, like, no one will, they will not leave here alive. So she's like on that, like, right. like we're killing right. all of them. She has every reason to think that they'll win this. There's no reason why she shouldn't. They have more people and they have more training and hell, if, if Negan hadn't pulled his little thing, they all three would have been dead in the yeah. fucking hallway yeah. anyway. Because Carver would have killed all three of them. So there's no reason why she couldn't think that they would win. And maybe if they killed everybody... She could have gotten Daryl to go. Maybe her if every, all of his family was dead, when, maybe um, Daryl would go she with She found him. Austin. And I think it was probably because he may have been the youngest of, okay. of the group. That's why I said that, yeah. yeah. But th there's another piece of this puzzle, too. And that's, mm -hmm. if you're puzzled, let me bring up this thing. When she meets Daryl for the first time, over time, and the impression is that he's not with his family anymore. The only person that she's looking for is Rick. He mentions nothing of this other camp. He never trusted her enough to tell her about Alexandra and all those people he left behind. When they finally encounter the Reapers in the woods and and they capture Daryl and all that stuff, you know, later on, he says, Oh, I just trade with I just trade with them. So there's a lot of mistrust that he's accrued. He did tell her about his family before because she said she asks him in eleven oh four, what about your family? Right. He goes, Man, my family picked the wrong fight with the wrong people a long time ago. So she she does know that he had family, but hey, she thinks now he's, he's like they're lie. all gone now. So I'm on my I've been on my own for a while. <laughs> Listen, I've learned a lot in my 43 years. <laughs> you can't get away with that shit. <laughs> when he left yeah. her and find me, he left her. He told her he was yeah. he was leaving to go back to his family. So she knows he was the leaving because was he there. wanted to make one more run to look for Rick. That was that was the reason why he left. Uh, you're talking about the cabin when the, she was like, "It's it's me or him." And of course, Maggie had left. Yeah, Maggie had left right around the time that Rick did anyway. So in a sense, he's still white lying. You know, he hasn't seen her in forever, but it's still a white lie. And she's noticing, okay, these people mean way more to you than you're saying they do. Mm -hmm. You know, in spite of all the lies, in spite of this guy dying because you lied. Or not because you lied, but 
you could have saved him by just telling the truth or whatever the case may have been. She was not going to let them leave. Maggie Meridian. says that to her, you know, at the end, like, you had your chance. Mm -hmm. You weren't going to let us leave. I mean, that's the classic three times, like on the radio with Carver while they were hiding behind the thing. Uh, a chance at the end, and there was—I I know there was another chance. Like, like in that in that last scene, there was like two chances where she was like, "We're we're ready to give you your guy. Just right. just go." Jensen, mm -hmm. the woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the other moment. That's right. With them, it's might makes right because mm -hmm. a because we also have God on our side. Let's that's almost ancillary, but the fact that it's there means that it gives them that much more reinforcement when it comes to being able to like we're following God's path. We can't do no wrong, but. Even if you throw all that out, we are it, you know, might makes right. We don't have to listen to you. We don't even need you. We are all we need. Yeah. That's it. We don't, we don't need, because all this whole time I was thinking to myself, when are people going to start populating? <laughs> They're not thinking that far ahead. <laughs> this brings us back to Negi. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> There's a parallel between um, Negan and Leah. In the sense, they're both they're now, both yeah. leaders who are completely alone. But you just said it. Where Leah says we only need ourselves, mm -hmm. Negan was not like that. People are a resource. So while they're very much alike in that they have both had... People, yeah. Uh, I want to say settlements, okay? They both had groups that they've lost. And now they're both completely on their own. But Negan always wanted people. Whereas Leah doesn't think they need other people. But Maggie's actions at the end. Can I just relay the way I felt when I first watched it and then when I watched it a couple times again. At first, I was like, and I still am, frightened. For Maggie, like say for her soul, for the people around her, and I still am, but not as much now. And I'm noting that the gun she's using looks a hell of a lot like Rick's, except it's dark. Rick's was a, a white-handled Colt Python glimmering in the sun like a righteous protagonist. And the one she has is a dark, jet black, matte black uh, pistol. Same size, same caliber, probably. Who knows? But she uses it to, like, just be this archangel of fury and vengeance. You see her possessed. She is going after those guys as they are putting their tails be tail between their legs and running away. The, on first watch, that frightened me. Mm. But on second watch, you're pointing, we are all pointing out the things that make it so that... And again, I still feel like it's just, it doesn't feel right. And Daryl reflects what I feel. And he's yelling at her. Like he, he walks, he's like, it's, you know, it's not what we're supposed to do. I forget what exactly what he says, but he kind of just, it's bullshit. <laughs> As he passes her by at the end, after he cuts them down, after she cuts them down. But she had given them a lot of chances, kind of like Negan did uh, back in season eight until he said, I'm just gonna kill these motherfuckers at Hilltop. Yeah, I am through giving these people chances. I have tried. So there is more of a parallel to Maggie and Negan than we thought. But uh, can I get some of your impressions here? Did, did that feeling change from when you first watched it to when you watched it a couple more times? Did you feel the same as me? Or how did you feel about Maggie's actions? Let's just start there. The first watch to the last watch, I knew immediately when she looked over at him and went, Negan, that was the first time she had ever, A, ever asked his opinion on anything. And I knew immediately what she meant when she looked at him and when he said, you know what I would do. She went okay, right back, she went right back to their campfire talk when he said, the only thing I would have changed is I would have killed all of y'all. And that's, I think it, that was their telepathic communication 
And she said, you're right. I've got to kill them all. I can't let them leave. I hadn't thought of that. That's a great mm -hmm. point. Like that's good point. That's exactly what happened was that he said that that was the mistake that he made. And at first Maggie's so taken aback by that, like, cause she says like, why would you say that? And why would you say that to me? But I think what he was trying to give her was some clarity on the situation that they were about to enter because he's been through all of that kind of stuff before. And so she didn't really see it until the end when she's like, that's right. He said the mistake he made was that he didn't kill all of us. So I have to kill all of us. That's a great point. By letting any of them go and him saying, you know what, Maggie, you know what I would do. It was that if you let any go, they will rise back up and come back. And that was the mistake that he made. It was completely a symbiotic thought process right there. It was totally a throwback. And I think that's why he said what he said at the grave. You always knew what you were going to do. As cruel as his conversation was around the campfire, she took completely to heart the fact if you kill them all, you don't have that enemy coming back after you. She Maybe she had, she wanted to kill them anyway, but she didn't actually make the decision to do it until Elijah was like, do it for Josephine, do it for yeah, all of them. Yeah. And then she got mad and went So, I mean, I feel like, like, look, I'm just going to say this right quick. Elijah irritated the shit out of me in this episode. She was like, yeah, Negan, you're right. But then she's like, you know, I don't want to be you. So I'm not going to do that. We're going to make the deal. We're going to let Daryl make the deal. We're going to let them go. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to do what you would do. But then Elijah, do it for Josephine. And then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> then I'm gonna do it for Josephine and do it wrong. But I don't I don't think that when Negan said that, she immediately was like, Yeah, you're right, I'm gonna kill all of them. I think she was trying not to do and that. And didn't she that's, walk underneath Agatha? Wasn't that Agatha hanging That's that that's another under? element. She's been there the whole time hanging over. It, it was Agatha eyes. all along. <laughs> Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the gallery. See, for for me, I'm kind of on the fence about whether, like, you know, Maggie's decision was like so evil. Because from our perspective and from Daryl's perspective, if Leah was out of the equation, would we be so against Maggie just like fucking killing them all? Because at the end of the day, these people they killed loads of her people, they burnt down like all their shit, and then they came after them. So from Maggie's perspective, it's like, well, if we leave, what's to stop them coming after us again? My kid's life is in danger. The rest of my people. And I feel like if Leah wasn't in the equation, I think even Daryl would have been on the side. Like, yeah, let's just kill these fuckers and get out of here. But it's only because yeah. Leah was there, a character that we actually do somewhat care about, and a character that Daryl obviously somewhat cares about, uh, that it even went down that way. So yeah, don't don't feel like we didn't want that to happen. That was awesome. But I don't yeah. think that she Who's wanted we? to do it. <laughs> I don't think that she... I mean, she wanted to do it, but she also didn't want to do it. But if if, if it wasn't, like, Leah and Daryl trying to resolve things, like, you know, she she would have killed Carver then and there, and she would have hunted the rest down anyway. You you do bring up a very good point, Jasmine. Yeah. If there wasn't yeah. this anchor of a human being that we've actually tracked for a handful of episodes since 10C. Yeah. I mean, I like Leah as a character. I didn't, I don't, I don't I want her Leah. to die. I, was, I love I Leah. I want to see her again. Yeah. But without I was, Leah... I was glad she just got hit in the arm. Yeah, without Leah, I'm like, fuck the Reapers, kill them all. In a I way. think we will mm -hmm. see. I think we are going to see her again. I um, she's been in some of the. I think she's modes. gonna team up with Negan. I would like to see that. Interesting. I would like to see that. Interesting. I think they're gonna team up and um. I can see that. And fuck shit up again, mm -hmm. like with Alpha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Get your socks on. 
I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Leah's gonna come back, like, cha- changed, though. Like, what if Leah and Negan are at Hilltop, and that is why Daryl is there at the end? What if Maggie is keeping them safe at Hilltop, and Daryl's As much them? as I want Leah to stay, I don't want Daryl and Leah to be a thing anymore, though, because, like, like you guys saw you guys saw that Connie scene. Like, they need to be together. I definitely hear where everybody's coming from, I, and I want to clarify, I did notice right away that what Negan may have been talking about is kill them all, but I also noticed that he, what he said in the beginning of the episode to Maggie in while they were hiding away was, listen, as long as we get out of here, that's all I give a shit about. There's this dueling, what mm-hmm. I told you in the pits as a juxtaposition for the people these guys are versus what you are now. We're dealing with those people that you used to be. That Like, we can kill everybody. We can get through any situation. We are going to kill everybody in the satellite station, people, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I had known that you guys were capable of this, I would have decimated you. I would have not made the mistake of saving you, keeping you alive. Maybe this is a good question. Do you think Maggie got the message wrong? But like she's been faced with so much adversity. Every community she's been a part of, everybody dies except for her. Essentially, who's left from her people? We lost all those cool people that we got to see of her people, like Cole and Frost, who we thought was a traitor but really wasn't. Poor Frost. Uh, And then the other big guy and... You don't remember his name. Duncan. Duncan, thank you. Sorry, Jasmine. You don't remember his name? He's just huge. He's a huge guy who couldn't break down the door because he was starving in the subway station. The tall gray hair guy with the beard. Oh, yeah, they yeah, got, yeah. He, got, he was the one that ran away with Gage in the first yeah, episode. And then Daryl found him in the second. Roy sounds right. Roy or yeah, Roy. Roy? No, Roy. Just Roy. He got an arrow in the eye. He was one of the first of her people to fall yeah, <laughs> again. Yeah. Sorry. But it's all of these things. And then and then having to be with Herschel. Minnie Glenn. Uh, Herschel. My goodness. Herschel. It's been Minnie a long time. <laughs> I don't have to give a shit about this kid. Anyway, so being with Herschel and all the horrors that she saw on the road with him, the the, the pregnant, uh, armless, limbless woman uh, tumbling down the stairs. Oh, and then she, it turns out she was a walker, having a walker baby. And That's weird. Th- all this stuff accumulates. Seeing And then I can see it. I can see it in my head. Agatha hanging, swinging from the rafters, knowing that she would have, knowing definitively that she would have taken them out if the situation was reversed. I wonder if that was the first time that Maggie actually got a good view of Agatha. Yeah, She kind of, when she's down there with Wimpy Boy, she kind of looks... You're talking about Elijah? Yeah. She kind of looks up, you know, towards them, and I wonder if, if that's the first time she really gets a good view that that is Agatha... Because they came in at night. Yeah. And she was on the inside, not on the mm-hmm. outside. Because what do they usually do in olden times? They hang your head from spikes on the outside for people coming in mm-hmm. to warn them. This was her hanging on the inside to remind everybody how awesome they are. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cr- that's crazy shit. But can I circle back to Elijah if that's okay? My thing with Elijah is... Low I- testosterone. Well, we, we have an issue because he came into the series really strong and, f- and looking adept. I know he's hurt. I, I know that. I know all that. And even at one point thinking Elijah was one of the Reapers, an ex-Reaper or something uh, like that. But we I, know that's I, not I, true. I think he could be. That's why he wanted to kill them all, to keep his secret. Why else would he be so irrational? He's like, actually, I think I'm going to go with these people now. Like, the side I was on is failing now. I'm just going to switch sides. You know, but I need to take care of the rest. You know, I think Leah's gonna come back and be like, "By the way, Elijah was a reaper." Elijah I mean, was one of us. He's a burp, fucking burp. badass fighter. Or so we, because we just not have seen that again 
since that scene where he first comes on the scene. He just got messed up seeing his sister. I think it just threw him off of off his kill. Could be. Or he just didn't want to kill any of the Reapers because he's one of them. I'm looking at Sharon D. I'm looking at Jasmine. Is everybody frustrated with Elijah at this point? I'm looking at Bridget. She's not saying yes. No, I think it's, uh, it's tactical. Okay. I am not because he is a perfect, perfect callback to Daryl and how he used to be. Daryl, in that lineup scene, knowing that what he did by punching Negan in the face, I don't know if he knew. I, I doubt he knew. Even though he was tortured, even though this, he still got up and punched Negan in the face, not thinking of what that concept, because, because of that action, he killed two instead of one. And that second one was Glenn. So there is, there is a really, really interesting fruit-bearing moment here where it's just like, oh, I know who that is. I was that guy. And I regretted it even to this day where I actually had to apologize to Maggie again but for what I did. If you think, I think it's different though, because like with... Of course it's different. No, but with Daryl, it's like it's like an impulse reaction. Like he doesn't even have time to think about it. Whereas Eli- Elijah is like just hell bent for like the space but, of like that entire scene on having them die. But Daryl was like that though, still as a person up until that point, just all impulse. I mean, he did stop to think when Aaron, when he got introduced to Aaron and helping people and bringing people in, but he is was still more or less reactive. And then season nine onward, he's just more pensive. Well, think about what he did with Morales. You mean they just walked in and popped him? Yeah, like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's yeah. one of the that things was I like a, about Daryl. Yeah. He doesn't uh, give a shit. He'll just shoot somebody. He's like, I don't and, care. And, Boom. And right. yet you judge Elijah. No, <laughs> I judge. I judge Elijah because that was I'm, not. I'm the kidding. Time to do you know. it. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just gonna sound really bad, but the expressions on his face were bugging me so bad. I was like, stop. Stop with the, oh, stop. Just go away. It was bugging me. Sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I want to roll this back because I recognize your frustration with Elijah and I feel it too, but I feel it on a whole other level because Elijah is young. I was young too. Uh, I mean, I know it doesn't seem like I ever could have been young, right? But I felt what he's felt. I, I know what it is. I still do. I still know what that feels like. Anyway, sorry, it go ahead. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you have survived 12 years into the apocalypse, you should fucking know stuff. You should know that this is not going to work out for you. If she's saying stop or I'm going to shoot you, stop. Don't get shot. Don't put everybody in that position. He got lucky that it was that it was Gabe up there and, and not um, Jensen. Yeah, you know? yeah so I agree. I'm, I'm just saying. But, but he didn't care at that point. But he, he was putting everybody else in danger. It wasn't yeah, just him. just like Daryl. Again, uh, nobody disagrees that Elijah's actions are completely frustrating. Yeah. But then I realize, okay, but what, what is it? Have I been that way? And I have. I and and it haunts way. me to this day. Must be, it must be a guy thing. Honestly, though, I, I really do feel that that is a... The, the desire to get revenge or come up and... Is often a, a trait of men. The singular focus, the lack of uh, spatial awareness when it comes to emotions or... Yeah. I mean, even I have a temper. It doesn't come out. It's rare. I, but I remember the last time it happened. It wasn't that long ago. It was actually a couple of years back. At my, oh, let me tell you a story. It was a couple of years back at my friend's rehearsal dinner. A friend of mine just kept yammering on about what I should be doing with the podcast. Just telling me what I ought to do. Then starts to poke fun at me and jabs me and jabs me. And it reaches, and I'm just like, you know, I'm chill. I'm just like, fine. And then it reaches this point where I just start exploding. Like I just start elevated tones and not think, and I, I can feel myself say, I have to stop right now, but I couldn't stop myself. 
I just kept going. I kept getting louder and louder and like making everybody around me uncomfortable. And I'm conscious of it. I couldn't dial it back. Yeah. But, and it does bring up the elephant and the rider conversation. Like, you know, the impetus of our actions is born out of emotion. Uh, we're not inherently rational beings. Rationale steers the elephant. The elephant is the emotion. We can only do so much. With the right amount of training, you can train the elephant, right? But the elephant is an elephant. If it sees a mouse, it's going to go and then go all over the place, right? What you're saying about him being, Elijah being like Daryl, the difference was, A, Daryl, they had never really uh, been involved with the saviors. Elijah has already dealt with these people. He knows what they will do. And Daryl... Was that was very early in the apocalypse? That was only what a year in, what, a year, a year and two, a half, yeah, maybe two, two years, years in. Yeah. This is twelve years. This kid's been in the apocalypse for twelve years. He should know better. I see your parallel, in but time. there's a there's a major I, but there's, difference. There's a danger the in, in existing this long in time, and and maybe going back to the whole walkers can kill you conversation. When you've survived this long, it's not that you get cocky, but it's that you. It's been 12 years into the apocalypse. We think we've earned the right to want something more than survival. So then there's that part of your brain that thinks, that clings on to like things like vengeance and righteousness and, and the desire to put down people who've wronged you. Not just eking out some sort of survival. It, despite the fact that, well, I don't know that Elijah's been with Maggie since the beginning. I don't think that's the case. I think she picked him up the, the, at Meridian, at the last place she was at. But, you know, you get to want to do certain things that, you want to be an artist. You want to be a painter. You want to be able to do things as a human being, even though you have to sharpen your skills and be a master at fighting and what, things that we talked about earlier, too. Well, it's like my mom used to say, you can want in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up fastest. Yeah. Listen, we, we, all, <laughs> we all know that in this world, right? But then in that world, it feels like wanting something more, wanting something more than just survival. These are almost currency. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the thing that we want at the end of the day once we've killed all the things and made all the food and, and then you have to go to bed again. I don't know. I've been thinking about a lot this as I'm seeing this dire and desperate situation. Like, where is there room for? And there isn't. That's the point. There isn't. And you're right, Sharon D. You're 100% right. But it doesn't change the fact that we want those things and sometimes it gets the better of us. That, that's all I'm thinking about is, is there room in this world outside the Commonwealth for anything more? Alexandria's promise of, of for Rick and Michonne for wanting something more. Is there room? It, it, does that seem like that's even possible? Is Alexandria the safe zone? It was. I, I don't see it, but I still recognize that people want it. You know what I mean? Like, I still recognize that people want to be human beings. I, I mean, I know everybody loses their temper. Everybody does shit they shouldn't do. That's just human nature. But it is frustrating. Well, especially against an enemy who frustrating to watch doesn't do want to check their, their, their shit. That doesn't have any... any hesitation so what do you do we still yeah, don't you know gonna... why pope marker marked her <laughs> we, we still don't know Sorry. why pope marked her you have to say it right first of all <laughs> but i still take your point <laughs> we still don't know why Bert Bert Bert. anyway so anyway all right so the next thing i want to talk about is that lisa wants to talk about is the, the scene with mancia and gabriel first of all let's talk about gabriel it's always good to do a little check-in, right? Because, and this, it's good that Bridget is here because I, I want to get her take. The feelings that you felt about Gabriel from when you first met him throughout time and now, has your opinion changed on Gabriel? And it could be even worse than it was before, but let's talk about that. Bridget, what, how did you feel about Gabriel when he first came on the scene compared to now? 
He was such a sniveling baby at the beginning. I was not on board with him at the beginning for a while. I liked that he tried and I felt like I felt like our group that we were following was really mean to him for a really long time. But I kind of understood because he uh, he didn't prove himself like as a as a fighter or as value in the community and what he wants to offer, which is this ability to to go to church and to to participate in like a faith building community is not something that they're focused on. They are not focused on that at all. They you know all of the the people that we started with you know have gone through their own bouts of like losing their own faith. They don't they don't have any of that because of what they've had to go through. And he had a rough go of it for a while, but now this this episode, this Gabe, I am in for this Gabe. This Gabe is he's angry and he's like he's he's mad about you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go into it. He's mad about Mancia and the fact that Mancia claimed to talk to God. And Gabe said that God used to talk to him and doesn't anymore. And he just refuses to believe that God would ever talk to these people. And something that we said before, like after this long, and he still talks to you, you know, having yeah. been this long, when we're talking about survival, yeah, but exactly. like we're talking about religious survival, we'll talk about our spiritual survival, right? Yeah. After this long, how does anybody, right? And yet, Mancia. I can't imagine continuing to have your faith at the end, like, still going. I had a lot of respect for Herschel and him, you know, utilizing parts of the Bible to say, like, one of my favorite lines in the entire show is, God said the dead would rise. I just didn't think it'd be like this. Like, <laughs> that is, like, one of the best lines in the entire show. It's awesome. I almost have to start backwards. He was totally looking at a, a reflection of himself in Mancia. And I knew, because I said it when we did the, the podcast, I knew that Mancia saw him in the woods. I just knew it. And whether he says God told him or whatever, he knew that he was there. Gabriel is 100% looking at a reflection of himself. And I think that is ultimately why he kills him, is that he is angry with himself for his lack of faith. When he killed the reaper, when the reaper said, will you pray for me? And he said, you know, God's not here. And I think it just infuriated him to think that God would tell Mancia, you know, I've got to protect my people. Well, we're doing the same thing. And we've always said that if we had been following the Reapers from the beginning, or if we'd been following the Saviors from the beginning, who would we be for? Although I'd probably stop watching the show with the Reapers after they start killing but a bunch of kids. But if you notice, when he gets back to Alexandria, he is not wearing the collar. You see a white t-shirt. But the collar is gone. When they were when they killed the dogs and he burned his collar in the fire back in season six, five, five. But he's been wearing one before. But he, the, he, since he was then. wearing he, one the whole episode. But when Daryl and Gabriel are having that moment around the campfire, that's when he takes it off. And that reminded me of when he took it off by the fire that they had where they cooked like the dog meat and threw it in the fire. And that's the moment that he took it off as well. And he didn't put it back on. But then Daryl asked him too, are you telling me to have faith? And he's like, yeah, I guess so. But, you know, it, it is momentous. I don't know if Mancio would have killed him or not. He, he may very well have. But it was definitely um, one of those mirror moments for, for Gabriel, an angry moment for him. And I, and I think that anger is a duality. I think he was angry at Mancia and at the Reapers, but maybe even angry at himself and God. You know, why has God stopped talking to me, but he's not stopping talking to you? And, you know, what is, what is it all for? I kind of felt like um, a callback to fear when 
you know, he was up on the roof and he's like, it's not Jensen, you know, call me Gabriel. I kind of thought like Morgan, <laughs> this isn't Morgan anymore. It's somebody else, you know. Do you think if he hadn't heard that gunshot go off, we know later that that's the shot, um, like that's the warning shot. Jensen, right. Uh, and Jensen, do you think... Good call, yeah, you, just so everybody knows. Do you think that um, Father Gabriel would have would have stayed with this man and heard about more, or do you think he still would have made the exact same decision and stabbed him? I think he would have made the same decision because it because it, cause it is like it is that gunshot that kind of makes him look over Wakes and then up. stab yeah. him. So yeah, I I think just like Eliza, he would have made the same decision, but would he have made it that quickly? Mm-hmm. That and and had he not made it that quickly, had Jensen not fired the warning warning shot just when he was having that conversation, could have turned out differently. For everybody, right? I mean, it just makes you think. Is the shot God talking to Gabriel? No, it's Jensen at that specific moment. Shot. Listen, I'm not a religious person. I'm just trying to spook you out, like spooky beta shit that I was seeing this entire scene. Wait, aren't you Jewish? <laughs> like, you I believe in spooky beta shit. Gabriel, um, in the Bible, is God's messenger, and so mm, right, you know, Ooh. so that's you know that's the message he's supposed to be the one getting them you know putting the message out so gabriel is the messenger of god he's the one who blows the trumpets he's the one who opens the bowls you know i i do think he probably would have done what he did i think it was just that kind of pushed him faster towards it i agree um, but I, does anybody I, disagree though if gabriel had accepted man mancia's offer and stayed yeah. there yeah. do you think mancia would have killed him i do because their thing was nobody's getting out of I'm here alive. I'm not sure. I don't think he was like 100% like Pope is God. I think he thought right like this is like you know I have my I Whom have my I that? have my Mencia? yeah I have my own yeah. faith. Okay. I have my own right. faith and I and God speaks to me directly. I'm not just going to blindly follow whatever Pope Leah whoever is currently in charge of the Reapers' orders. I'm not just going to blindly kill a man, especially another man of God. And it's pretty clear that Pope does take some lead from Mancia also, from when he was uh, giving bereavement to- Turner. Turner, Turner, thank you. Mancia says something that reminded me of a conversation we had, Eliza, me, and Rachel actually, about doubt. And I thought that was very interesting because I don't think in the episode that we were discussing, I don't remember which one it was, but um, we were I, we were discussing spirituality and doubt when it came to maybe it was that scene with Gabriel, but uh, but as it pertains to faith, you were talking about how there is no faith without doubt, and it wasn't mentioned anywhere, wasn't mentioned on the show. Was we were just talking about faith and that it it requires doubt. Mencia says it literally, literally what you said. It, it made me think of you immediately, Eliza. And then Rachel chiming in mm-hmm. saying, you, you know, I'm actually pretty religious. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. What? And then like having this interesting conversation about faith and what it requires and, and blind faith is almost her- uh, blasphemy. And, you know, there should be some doubt introduced into faith so that we can question it and then resolve it, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, one time I went up to my pastor and I said, you know, I worry about my salvation if I'm saved and, and, and you know, and if I'll go to heaven. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, have you done X, Y, and Z? And yes. And I said, he said, well, that doubt shows that there's conviction. And where there's conviction, then you have choices. If you have no conviction, then, you know, you'll do whatever. But if there's doubt of, you know, is this right? Is this wrong? Then there's there's faith. I mean, you think about Thomas in the Bible. It literally took, you know, Jesus before him saying, put your hand here. Was that, like you said, was that shot? Was that God saying, put your hand here? I'm talking, you know. Right, right. Because we don't, we don't expect God to be 
the burning bush like Moses ran into, um, you know, sometimes, or literally speaking it, sometimes to you. it's the, the still quiet sound that you have to really listen to. Or, or opportunity or moments where you see an, an opening and you choose not to take it or you choose to take it. That's that's God saying, hey, come here. It's, right, uh, right. it's OK. Right. But I, I wanted to cover a little bit because. You, you literally have to watch this scene so many times to maybe realize mm -hmm. that everything that happens is poetry in this mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. Mencia putting the knife away, putting his, putting hand, his hand on his own hand to say, it, it, it's, it's harder to, to make peace. Yeah. It, almost to say, almost as if to say, and again, spooky beta shit. You are exactly where you need to be. I am doing this because God, I, and I'm going to throw this out there. You tell me if you think otherwise, because I love to hear whatever you guys interpreted from the scene. Almost as if to say, you know what you have to do. God told me that you have to kill me, essentially. Mm -hmm. Essentially! Mm -hmm. I, I right? haven't thought of it like that, but now that you're saying it, like, I don't disagree. Like, I think that is definitely... He wasn't going to fight him back. He was not going to fight back, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I know what you need to do in this moment. I'm helping you do it. Was he the sacrificial lamb? The scapegoat. That's right. But That's right. the last thing I'll have to say about um, Gabriel was I just, I just busted out laughing at the very last scene. The one that Angela Kang mentions or? Yeah, probably when, when you know, uh, Jerry's like, hey, you guys, something's coming. And he just kind of goes, oh, you know, uh, it's kind of like for fuck's sake, really? <laughs> you know, we just we got back all... <laughs> one But day. especially him, one more, one more, <laughs> Aaron, one more. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to go in the round and want to see what you guys think of that scene that you may have seen otherwise or may have interpreted otherwise because it's it's there's it's rife with interpretation kind of like the bible gross i mean it's just it's a lot it's a lot i'm not saying the bible's gross i'm saying it's a lot that it's gross that there's a lot it's gross yeah. it's like i almost hate doing this podcast because of the bible well but you know Dave, you know you are you you dave are steeped in in old testament mm. Yeah. And and, you know, with my faith, it, m mine is a combination of the two. But it was not uncommon, even in the Old Testament, for there to be war. God was a loud God in the Old Testament. He got his point across, whether yeah. it was bringing down fire known. from the sky or a burning bush or... But, you know, I think it is it is in the small things, too. And I think faith overall in the whole show, it's faith in self, it's faith in God, it's faith in your your person to your left and the person to your right and this whole thing is nothing but a doubt of faith through you know and where where does your faith lie yeah and where do you get the feedback and the validation and the mm -hmm. you know where where's the haptic feedback to all the things that we're doing to know that what we're doing is right daryl asks that the fire yeah that's that's the key thing is like i, I kind of knew what i was supposed to do and i felt like in a way man He's taking on that Rick role where it's like, you know, what would what would Rick do? What would Rick Grimes do? And Leah being so key to that thought in that he was always sneaking out to try to find Rick because the last thing Rick wanted to do was keep people together, keep cause vision alive. And he's been holding on to that. And then Leah being right there in front of him saying, we can't keep killing each other. Right. I mean, he survived all that war. So he knows the consequences of his actions. I don't know. This is all the stuff that keeps going on in my mind. Like, and you know, both Daryl and Gabriel are entitled to a crisis of faith. Daryl saying, probably thinking, was Maggie right with what she was? I, it doesn't feel right, probably. But if they were determined to kill them, no matter what, he saw what Leah's what Leah was about to do with the sniper mm -hmm. with Jensen. So I kind of, I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder. I mean, even myself, I, I'm a doubting Thomas. I, I feel what Maggie 
did was wrong. But kind of what Gabriel says to Daryl is it all depends on who's making the choice. Mm -hmm. They keep purposefully keep us on this, just this fascinating uh, ethical line where it's like, well, you could say this, but what about that? What about that? You can't ignore that. You well, can't ignore that she wanted to kill him three times. Right. And we saw that with uh, Negan and Maggie in their conversation that they had at the campfire was, you went, you know, when he pointed out to her, you went into the satellite, you killed my people while they were sleeping. So, you know, it, it, he's exactly right. It depends on who's making the choice, who's right in what their decision is. If it's right for their people, then it's the right decision. But doesn't that unsettle you all a little bit? Because we, something Negan also said, is something I believe that is inherent with everybody is that we're all the hero of our own story. Mm -hmm. So it should be unsettling to you to, to hear that from Gabriel. It's like, well, if we're all the hero in our own story, then we're all right. And then uh, we're all wrong also. So, so we're all capable of this really weird. I mean, look at Maggie. Oh, we're doing this to get the food. Really? Really? Is it all about the food? Because it didn't become it didn't become that by the end of this, yeah. mm -hmm. right? But then that, but then I have to look at that. I that because we're obviously we are in theory we're looking at it from Maggie's perspective, but all every single one of us has looked at that and gone right. Is what Maggie done right? We're not just automatically assuming that because she's our main protagonist that she's right in this instance. So the, maybe doubting maybe Thomas. We're not all the hero in our own story. Maybe we can put perspective on it. You know. That's, that's a really good thing because it also makes me wonder what Maggie's thinking. What is Maggie thinking in this moment after this? What is the consequence of her action? And we do, this is, yeah, I'm good at this segue shit. <laughs> and we do see a hint of what that could be. The result of having gotten their revenge. They're at Hilltop by the end of this, this episode, six months later. Cutting, she's cut her hair. Eliza's at the top of the, top of the wall with her, looking over at Commonwealth soldiers. A, a more casually dressed Lance in his uh, stylish sort of like a hunting vest gear, as if he's, oh, I'm out in the woods now. Ooh, let me look stylish this way. And, you know, with his back turned to everybody, too, and says, eh, Daryl, be the dog that you are and come up to the gate. And then basically basically giving them what seems to be a shakedown. Why? It seems like they're not complying with wanting to become a Commonwealth, out Commonwealth outpost. What is your take on what is going on on that scene, keeping in mind the decision she made in this episode to kill everybody? You know, Leah gets away. And then what's going on at the end of the episode? Well, I wrote in my notes that Daryl and Maggie had been at odds, you know, during this Reaper battle because he, he doesn't want to see everybody dead. And she does. And so they're at odds there. And so I thought it was a nice full circle moment, you know, as mm -hmm. much as I don't want them to be at odds, that they are again in this six months later with whatever is happening there. Mm. Right. And for entirely different reasons, I have to imagine. Well, you know what's funny about what we're just saying right now? It's always these little things I have to keep track of. That scene with Daryl and Jesus and Maggie at the end of season eight, the Latin, the season finale, they're all conspiring to be like, fuck Rick. <laughs> but then we go back to this scene at the end of this episode, and now they're at odds. And I'm going to throw this out there, most likely for similar reasons to Rick. It must be because who on earth would have anticipated uh, Daryl Dixon in a Commonwealth soldier's uniform, trooper uniform. Who on earth? Not any one of us, not anybody in existence ever. So why on earth would he do that if not because he believes this is the best way forward, which is a Rick thing. We got to all find a place for everybody. This is the way it's got to go if we want to bring back things. 
you know, and then Maggie again, though, which is, hey, who doesn't love consistency? Maggie again thinking, Nobby, we got to take care of our own. I don't know. And again, not knowing who's right at this point in time or not even knowing if I'm right. At so this wasn't, point in time. But wasn't Maggie with Georgie? Weren't they connected with the Commonwealth? Not confirmed. And in fact, I, I don't think they are whatsoever. She and Georgie went to Tennessee and then she split from Georgie and she and her people went she even further you. west because oh, we were theorizing that they ran into the to Virginia's group out there somewhere. Also, you know, she the, didn't the, exactly see like seem like like when they arrived on the doorstep, it didn't exactly seem like, oh, I've, I've seen these people before. You know, it was very much a who the fuck are these people? Just like everybody else. Right. Right. And there, there was also too much evidence to suggest that too much evidence against the fact that she was part of any a commonwealth or crm definitely not crm for sure i mean i just uh, you know i kind of go you know maybe she just doesn't want to join because when she did leave with georgie you know she came back and she had made the statement that every community they went to was decimated right now, was that right was that by the reapers was that by crm or it was very weird ending just kind of left you with well, well what the hell happened between six months you know well i think that's why like when we encounter organizations like the CRM and the Commonwealth, they're most definitely outliers. Reapers seems more likely. Ferals seems more likely than that. So having the organization to have these intense, large, organized groups that have a binding philosophy of some kind is an outlier. So when we go back to Georgie, we see that's been tried and done unless, and unless they have some sort of culty-like binding philosophy, they're gonna fail. And Maggie is telling that story, but she's also, in a sense, telling that story on behalf of all the other communities that probably tried and failed. That she's basically giving you a state of the world, not just as it pertains to Maggie. Maggie's almost emblematic of, of that journey and that attempt, and that places like Alexandria are outliers. And Alexandria is an outlier of an outlier, because the only real places, by the way, this is a very weird thing to say, but the only places that seem to be not only strong but thriving are places like the crm and commonwealth which they don't really know of yet but i say this is funny because it's kind of like what we're going through now where it's like the mom and pop shops are closing down because amazon and walmart and whatever because big box stores and smaller stores can't be open i'm not trying to make a commentary here but it, now it's kind of like well slap me in the face it's kind of obvious but when you look at the zombie world it's like oh well walmart's there and Amazon right there called the CRM. <laughs> kind of gross, but yeah, here we are. Any any other comments to the the end scene, the jump, the time jump scene, essentially? Ridiculousness of Daryl not still not having cut his hair, even was though that, he's a soldier. Was that Lance Hornsby? Oh, that was Lance Hornsby. Because he didn't look like Lance. Yeah, yeah I think he was in this like was fashionable Lance. outdoor gear Lance. that you get yeah, at LL yeah. Bean yeah. or <laughs> something. No, that's what I was saying. Like, it looked like Lance, but he was like, I was dressing down like with the comic, so I could be with the soldiers, yeah. but I'm not a soldier. You know, if Maggie went back to Hilltop, I, I'd like to know, and I'm sure we'll find out, you know, did Aaron go back to Alexandria? Are they going to go to Alexandria the same way that Daryl's going to Hilltop? See, I don't know. I don't know about Aaron specifically, because I feel like there's definitely kind of a sense of, I want Gracie to be in the Commonwealth, maybe. There might be. Especially after what we've just seen. 
Like, yeah. I think that's going to be like a strong pull for Aaron to want him and Gracie to live in the Commonwealth and be safe. And then Jerry and all his kids, too. Yeah. And I think you that's know, the only reason that. Meryl goes. Yeah, I mean, Alexander is in a dire situation. Didn't the hilltop, like, isn't that like cannibalized, no. like, wall from there, from there yeah. that they brought over to hilltop? Because the wall in front of Maggie is that corrugated metal. So I kind of assumed that Alexandria was, like, just ditched. Mm. Yeah, maybe they've maybe they've like merged the remaining communities like Alexandria, Oceanside, People of the Kingdom, and then anyone That's what who I kind of go to the Commonwealth have all kind of collaborated into the hilltop, maybe, and like used all the materials mm. and resources from all these communities and brought them to one place. Uh, that's that's a really good observation. Hashtag where is Luke, man? <laughs> it's exactly what I was gonna say. But we have seen the corrugated, uh, in the battle for Hilltop, we have seen the corrugated metal uh, around Hilltop yeah. as well. Because yeah. over the years, reinforcement, wood, rot, whatever, you got to replace it with something. I, the only question I have in re with regards to that is now that they've jumped us six months into the future, will they jump back? Yes. Will they do a time jumpy, wimey thingy? Yeah. Or will they just the, go back? Uh, behind the episode thing, and Angela King pretty much said that they just jumped ahead that you're going to go back and they're going to go back okay. and fill it all in. I, I'd imagine that eventually we're going to catch up to that moment again. Right. And like maybe like yeah. episode 15 or 16 or yeah, something. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll be the end of 11. Yeah, that's what I'm or maybe like do. 15 okay. and then I'll have like that. a little bit of extra story yeah. going into 16 or something something along those lines. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I might be more inclined to yeah. think like maybe this is the beginning of, of uh, sorry, 11C. Yeah, I think Sharon is right. I think this is going to be, I think we're seeing the cliffhanger for 11C. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. yeah, right. Mm -hmm. and that that's pretty cool. I th I like that. If that's the case, I I think that's very clever. Yeah, like to not see it again. First of all, for probably what six six to eight, six months, eight months. Yeah, probably yeah. we won't see that scene ever again. It's, it's it's good because it tells you like it doesn't it doesn't tell you like enough, but it tells you that something's happened. Like something's going down. There's a big dynamic build. Yeah, yeah. there is a weird like. Like for comics, for I haven't read the comics, but I know enough to know that they're making Hilltop a particular character in a sense. I, I don't you, know if that makes are sense. Are you referring to um... Sherry to put a pin in, to put a button on it? But it's clear that, right, you can sacrifice your individuality if you go to, to the Commonwealth and you're safe and you're happy. You have a chance to be an artist and you have a chance to be a cake maker or whatever you're going to be. Or you can embrace your individuality, go at it alone, and have things fail all over again. This is a dire choice, and Hilltop seems like, it, if I'm interpreting this right, I could be wrong, is making the choice of individuality. Hey, we can go at it our own, on our own. We've always been able to make it, and we're making it now. Just like the, the fine ethical line that they keep us on when it comes to this episode, is that the right choice? And we're not here to discuss that, but I'm wondering I... if you're faced with that choice and you, you have the choice of going at it alone, is that wrong? Well, you know, when you look at the previews for the coming episodes, a lot of our people look really broken. And that's as a direct result of being at the Commonwealth. Of the Commonwealth? Yeah. Or... Yeah, at the oh. Commonwealth. Linda Athens drew the shot of uh, Princess. Every yeah. bit of that little spark and craziness is gone. And then you see that... It's flattened. Yeah, and then you see that <laughs> extreme gulf between um, Magna and Yumiko. If you are Yumiko and you have a Harvard degree, sure, I think the Commonwealth is good for you. But if you are Daryl or you are Princess, I think it's not. I think it really shows a lot of our characters broken. And to what degree do you do you maintain that 
brokenness for safety or i think it's very much going to kind of play on like some of like the real world ideas of like the rich will thrive or the well-educated higher class of society will thrive status right whereas the poor or the working class will just get to survive that's going to be the way it's going to be then there's the ultimate question too because our survivors the people that we've been following are in a unique position of knowing that it may be and this is the wrestling right it may be better to live under such conditions knowing what's out there do you know what i mean like it's not like the people that have been with the commonwealth from the very beginning where they're like we're already seeing propaganda posters like fuck the commonwealth they don't know do you you don't know you don't know what's out there but our people do and there's a brokenness of of several varieties that are at play here but there's there's something to remember you know daryl saw everything in the tunnel and all of that stuff and the writings and the drawings on the wall and and yet what is his choice right he chooses to side with each other like the elite or the king i think he does that I mean, strictly because judith, of the kids. he's the closest thing judith has to a father right now rick's gone michelle's mm-hmm. gone i mean He's he's really the closest thing Judith has to a guardian, right? Because we know we don't want to give her to Carol. Ah. Well, <laughs> one thing I would like to note though is that like even though we don't see like the politics of Alexandria, there is obviously going to be a level of politics there. There's going to be a level of well, you have to do this guard duty because we need guard duties covered at all time. You have to make the bread. You have to do this, and everyone does get set jobs, but because it's so small and like localized, there's no one like you know just in charge of retail work or just in charge of this or that. And it's obviously allocated in a different way. But do you not think if Alexandria was on like a larger scale where people couldn't actually like directly see the effects of their jobs and how it's helping the survival that it could become like um, not similar to the commonwealth in some res- but like but like similar in some respects where you're forced to do your job you have this job you're forced to do it that's the way it's got to be they're just allocated in a different manner well there's something to be said about harmony though and people feel like they're doing something and they're good at it and then they just yeah, keep exactly. doing it because like, they're good at it or pe- whatever. People kind of have... And, pe- and feeling that pe- result. People can feel the result and obviously you're not going to be shoehorned into a job based on your past choice, which is like a big factor. But in a way, right. like they do have a similar system. Just the actual allocation of the job and the actual satisfaction and fulfillment might be different. Right, the incentive mechanism is still present at Alexandria, whereas... Or Hilltop, to the example... You can't directly see your impact on, on the bigger picture when you're in the Commonwealth, perhaps. Right, and especially if you're not our survivors, which is it's kind of my point. And like, it's like, oh, I'll, yeah, tell me what to do. I'll, I'll do it, please. Right. I don't want... It's too much. Yeah, I, I don't, I like I don't want li- like to live out there, so I'll do anything to be here. Yeah, yeah, and that's... it's. A, I hope we get to see that feeling of, like, I don't give... I don't care. Okay, what? Uh, you want me to clean up? I'll clean up all the poop. It, Give me ice if cream. I get to, yeah, if I get to live here, like Daryl, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna dress up like the, in this guard uniform. I'm gonna you know protect the Commonwealth. And now Judith and RJ are gonna get to live a proper childhood in safety. And if we know Daryl like we know Daryl, it's it's more that he's doing this for everybody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't think of his dumb self. Yeah, I get so but mad people, when I think about this. Subject. And then other people like maybe Rosita and Gabriel. They'll come to Commonwealth and think, yeah, you know what? I'll do whatever job I get assigned because I get to be safe and my daughter gets to be safe. Right, and that, that's a good juxtaposition to have because of what happens in this episode. Maggie and Gabriel deciding that 
Nah, yeah, peace is too hard. It's we're too we are too far gone, Rick. Carl. Governor. Yeah. Carl. Yeah. To Negan. Yeah. Good. Good. Dale. Hmm. Sad. Two points I wanted to bring up. Uh one, this is a little little breath of fresh air. When we do see Daryl, and Daryl does see Connie at Alexandria, and he drops the apples. Did you catch out of the corner of your eye Carol smiling? Now, if you're a caroler, the people who like Daryl and Carol being together, of course you don't see that. Carol smiled, but that reunion was... But she had a smile like this, and I'll try to describe it. She, she was like, was like, oh, I see. I see you. Oh, that I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. But he, it's over. But they didn't. C A R Y L is over. They did not hug and reconnect the way he and Carol do all the time. You know, yeah, when they have a there is yeah, a, there's cool. definitely that the, friendship. I mean, she pushed Con- him Connie, like she Connie would a brother. Connie and Daryl are just still in like the texting stage, you know, just getting to know each other. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I, it's exactly what I was thinking. They're still in the courtship, uh, you know. Oh, where are boundaries? I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> am I wrong? They're still the <laughs> passing notes. Uh, right, right. You're like in that awkward. Hey, do we hug here? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But it was it was it was exceptional to see their their you know he was definitely happy to see her. <laughs> he dropped his basket for her. <laughs> he dropped his basket for her. It was the best moment in the episode. I felt really sad for Lydia. She was very heartbroken to know that Negan was gone. I agree. Yeah, that was that was a very interesting look that she made, face that she made when she heard that. Yeah. Especially after reckoning with uh, Aaron too. Carol was seemed a little surprised as well. Ja- Jasmine, we were going to say something about. Carol and Daryl being the best moment in the episode. No, no, I was just saying the Connie Daryl moment was the best moment in the episode for me. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Why? Because it was adorable. I, I actually cried. I cried at their reunion. Really? Yeah. See, that's I'm glad I, I asked why. Okay. And I don't get emotional often. I kind of agree with Jazzy that it was a great moment. And I, one of the other reasons I thought Carol was smiling was I think she then knew I'm good with Daryl. Because I think there was still a little bit of that, well, I don't want to say friction, but there was always that between that's them perfect that, that Carol trapped Connie in the cave and Connie was probably dead because of Carol. So I think, you know, you see that also relief on her face of, okay, good. He knows she's alive all as well <laughs> in the world of Carol and Daryl again. And then I think maybe not. Like, is that enough? Right? Right? It, it, when you think about it, like, step in the right it helps. Yeah. Right. It yeah, helps. Yeah, but yeah. does that change things? I think it wasn't enough that Carol was responsible or her actions were responsible. So you're going to talk about Elijah, right? That her actions were responsible for Connie being trapped under all that rubble. But the fact that in that episode, in, in one of the bonus episodes, in Find Me, that she was trying to pretend like everything was okay when it's not okay. And Daryl even trying to humor her for as long as he could until, just like me in the story I said earlier, you kind of blow up. You know, it's like, oh, you can only say, okay, okay, okay. Enough with your bullshit. And then you go, what the fuck do you want? What? Nothing's normal. Ah, that's okay. But stop. Stop it. <laughs> I think you're right in that it helps. But seeing Daryl in that uniform makes me think that he's moving beyond. I don't know about moving beyond their friendship, but I don't know. Some 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 wounds can't heal. I think ultimately they will always always love each other. Why else would you care that much? Well, something will bring them either back. or something. Whatever. If if AMC is not lying to us and Gimple is not lying to us, and they're gonna pull something on us at the end. 
then they will reconnect and go off somehow together. I'm starting to think that maybe the Carol and Daryl spinoff is all about them finding a way to reconnect. One of them being somewhere else, the other one being somewhere entirely. One of them hears news of the other in trouble or involved in something right. or something like that. And then the, the show is all about them trying to find each other or one of them trying to find the other, something like that. We all assume that it's, oh, I'm going to be in the back of Daryl's motorcycle. I'm like, come on. That's what everybody wants to think. But we it's, don't know we, what's going to happen. We know this show. We know this show. It subverts ex- expectations. You know, it's not It's not going to be black and white. It's not going to be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be Walker Daryl being led by... A very alive Michonne. Uh, sorry, Michonne. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's it all alone. Michonne has Walker Carol and Walker Daryl, oh, armless Lord. and limbless and mouthless, <laughs> forever. Oh, anyway, Lord. Uh, there is one more thing we needed to bring up, and that is the blackboards that were in the fight scene uh, between uh, Daryl and that Reaper Austin. There isn't too many crazy things. Obviously, I will mention the dumb things and glide past them, but. Blackboard number one is the first thing we see is what letters spell your name, and it has the ABCs and all that stuff. One of the words that's there is what letters spell your name. Uh, how old are you at the bottom? The only thing that I saw of note uh, was on the left, spelled vertically, was B-I-B-E-L, which I thought was interesting. It's like a Germanic spelling of the word Bible. It's a little prescient, a little relevant, but it's important because we do see a chapel in Meridian that is updated with, with children's photos and, uh, you know... And, and very well kempt, very red. I'm going to skip ahead to Mrs. Adams' classroom blackboard. Blackboard number four. There was a small chalkboard that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Interesting, considering th- that scene with Men- Mency and Gabriel. Going back to blackboard two is the one you referenced earlier, Sharon D., which was, uh, uh, remember if you get lost in the woods, S-T-O-P, which is stop as soon as you realize you're lost. Think about the situation, that's T. Observe your surroundings, O, and P, plan plan what to do. The rest of the blackboard says, <laughs> today's lesson, how to grow food, how to preserve food, how to identify spoiled food, where to find medicinal plants, what to do when you encounter wildlife. Yeah, Aaron, teach Gracie all that. <laughs> Thus establishing that Mrs. Adams was in Meridian teaching these kids post the fall with, with maybe with Maggie. Where is Mrs. Adams now? Ms. Adams now? We don't know. But it's, it's kind of cool. She walks with Joseph. Oh. There are a couple other blackboards. One of them is stupid, but I'll just rattle off now. Fill in the blanks. I blank to the farm. I fed the blank. A horse was in the blank. The farmer blank the corn. That sounds weird saying that out loud. What is he? What is the... <laughs> Well, what if the answers spell out a special hidden cipher? A message from the creators to the fans. I don't care. Anyway, oh, blackboard no, number five. But do we, do we do we work out? Yeah, You're exactly. Welcome. Yeah. Enjoy. Post, I'm not doing it. Post a shot of that when you edit this, so we can all write it down and try to figure out what the word is. Oh, it'll it'll be in the the blog. It'll be in the blog. You'll you'll be able to do that for yourself. There's only one blackboard left. Uh, that was, oh, that was the dumb one. It's the one with the addition tables. Mm-hmm. One plus one equals two. One plus yeah. two is equals three. Math All that stuff. Math, math is dumb math and straightforward. <laughs> I noted in the reaction video, and I, but I made sure to check. The Walking Dead logo now is dripping with water. With what? Whereas in the last episode, it was not. Hmm. 
I thought that was interesting. So that's that's only going to get more interesting as we go. I think it was awesome. And I loved hearing, you know, Punky and Jazzy's thoughts. And it, there was a lot in this episode, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying, but great. <laughs> Annoying legally. And it's yeah. going to be like this, I think, always going forward. I think they are going to be jam-filled with information. Jam-filled. <laughs> now that makes me think of Elodie's Cake Shop. Mm. Not what you're just thinking. Jasmine! <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Can we, can we dial it back to Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead, please? <laughs> ooh, ooh, she just gave me a death stare. Dark um, horses. I had, I had a sudden realization that, like, I asked my flatmate to watch the podcast, and now she can't watch the podcast ooh. because we included a major Fear the Walking Dead spoiler in this podcast, and she's not caught up on Fear the Walking Dead yet. Ooh. Well, unless I cut it out. But then but you've cut it out for everybody had... else, so. That's true. That's and true. it was and it was no, a good catering, it was a good point. We're catering we're catering to just your friend. Yeah. Can you wait, can well, you can you edit one and send it to just my friend? Yeah, well just no, you can edit that. I don't know how so to edit does, stuff. So does the new episode drop tonight or tomorrow night? Supposedly. Not, not the one we're reviewing, but uh, next next week's. Yeah. Yeah, it okay. should be dropping. It's supposed to, according to their dumb schedule. It is stupid. It should be it should be no. I th I think the schedule they posted is genius. Okay. But it's supposed to drop nine o'clock, the, the night oh, of the public the airing. Oh, the plus okay. like the episode. Yeah. I've I yeah. thought it, but last week it dropped like during the day. Cause I last cause, week Because I watched it in the afternoon. I watched it that morning when I got up to go to work. You watched it. Watch. You watched it. I watched it. Yeah. With her watching. Because because I I watched it like as soon as I got in from work, and obviously I'm five hours behind, so. Yeah, I, I just hope they actually adhere to their own schedule. That That's all I care about. For because sure. it, so far, so far, not good. We'll find out at 3 a.m. Uh, East does it Coast time. Does it make time. much difference, really? Uh, that they follow with, through with their well, promises and their with ex expectations? Yeah, I but, like, what's... What, I, guess it, I guess it doesn't. You're right. What's, what's, it's The Walking Dead. Yeah, what's, like, what's, what's 10 hours, you know? I did want to bring up one, one more thing, and that's Negan's decision to leave, which does dovetail very nicely to our thoughts, our renewed thoughts of perhaps perhaps renewed thoughts of Negi because why do you think Negan leaves because absence makes the heart grow stronger come on Dave this Christ with this <laughs> well at least she said it right right Shandy right Shandy <laughs> round of applause for Jasmine uh, because because, she, because as, as Rachel cries die. as she listens to this episode <laughs> yeah it, yeah, that's I mean, that's exactly what I was he, thinking. He said it. You know, he left because he doesn't want to die. Yeah, he literally just watched uh, Maggie go crazy on the Reapers. I don't blame him. I mean, he, yeah. yeah, he said it. You're going to make that same decision with me, and I'm not going to give you the opportunity. It, it is something that we've talked about just in this episode about equity, about trust and equity, right? Like, have you built up enough trust? I do think if Negan actually does die in the series... I think he will do so in some relationship to Maggie, whether it's saving Maggie or saving Herschel, if he does die. I'm hoping he doesn't. I'm hoping he gets his own little show of, you know, how he became a savior and yada yada Yeah, but yada. if he dies, he can still right. have that spinoff at this stage. Yeah. True, 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 true. But I do think um, if he does, I mean, and I totally see him doing that as some kind of penance. If he even gets there. But Charity brings up a really, really good point. And that's, and it's not just for people who are in that universe, it's for us. You know, for all we know or care, Maggie has been absent. 
And so that's felt by the audience and it's also felt by the people in the communities. But I really feel in that moment, on, on its face, let's just put it, he does go back to the promise, the promise that Maggie made that she's going to kill him or the promise that he picks up on mm-hmm. of the fact that Maggie's gonna kill him. Which whether or not, and he even says it, whether or not that's true, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna stick around long enough to find out because of your actions here today. Yeah, promise or and not. Which, which, which does make me come back to what Maggie thought Negan was saying in that moment uh, when she uh, she defers to his opinion, which is why I said, does it seem maybe perhaps that Maggie was asking permission of Negan, rather permission to kill these fools rather than his opinion? And if that opinion is killing those fools, I'm not sure because of this last scene. Well, I didn't want you to kill all of them. I just meant like, I just want to get out of here alive. What, what, what are you talking about? What, 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 are you, what are you doing? Yeah, but if they didn't have like some kind of mutual kind of, you know what I'm thinking situation, you know, like couples do, then um, I don't think Negan would have, you know, just said, you know what I'm thinking. You know, he had to assume that, was, that Maggie knew what he was thinking. Cause... That was, okay, first of all, that was really cleverly put because <laughs> you were right on the line of not knowing what you're thinking, but maybe thinking the one thing, but or maybe the other thing, which is the Neggy thing or the <laughs> couples always do. <laughs> They, they, have, they, have a, they have a spiritual collection. Someone say soulmates. Uh, well, I didn't think of that. I will leave that opinion out there for anybody who feels the same. I will say it is made clear by the end of this episode that Maggie is Negan's regret personified, meaning she's making that decision. Oh, wouldn't it be cool if... But only because Maggie has suffered way more than Negan been put in similar situations, but has lost every single time. You know, imagine if the saviors were losers every single time and she had to keep building up saviors all over again. And, but still doing the whole like, oh, we're not gonna kill everybody and we'll kill one. <laughs> but, but then all of her people die. And then she has to build that community up again. And then all those people die. Completely different circumstances, but, and yet. There you know, is a respect, that... there is a respect between them as leaders. And um, I think, in a recent interview with um, Jeffrey Dean, is he said that his biggest regret of Negan was them having him kill Glenn. But it was within the context of also why do pe- why did people leave The Walking Dead? No, yeah, know, like yeah. why do they? Right, but there who's, was... who's still watching the show? Okay, here's Sharon. What she was saying, basically, I was saying as far as new people, some Alexandrians would side with Negan since they don't know Maggie at all and they have seen Negan be a useful member of the community. And I wonder if this is actually going to come up in the in the coming episodes. I don't think so, to be honest. There may be moments, or, but then again, Negan is off. This is kind of what I want to get to. Negan decides that, you know, I can't trust you enough. You don't have, you've lost the equity of me trusting you to not kill me. Because if this is what you're capable of, making a promise to these Reapers and going back on it because you have a prior engagement or a prior promise, well, what if you wanted to enact the, the prior promise that you had for me? Right. So it's funny how his decision isn't to thwack her with that pipe, which is what we, well, what Maggie at least thought was going to I happen. I think she thought it, yeah. yeah. You know, when you look at that scene in retrospective, it's like he was never going to do that. He was, he was just going to say goodbye, which is an honorable, weird, honorable move. Like, I'm not going to give you the chance, and I know the tension between us is something, but I'm not going to push my luck here. Because yeah. you remember, like, at the end of Here's Negan, 
that that weird <laughs> smile, right? That weird smile look. Oh, I'm gonna be here in spite of you. Can, can I, can I, I've can, earned my can place I here. Sherry says, says I never. Yeah, Sherry says I never thought he was going to hit her. He might hit it. <laughs> you, you mean whack it <laughs> with some pipe? Whack it with some pipe. Yeah. And with that, everybody, thanks for joining us on another long episode of Squawking Dead. If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars in a, well, maybe five pipes in an eggplant. Because all we need to know that you love us. But if you want to write more and tell us what we got right, what we got wrong, let us know after every episode because it really, really does help. And it helps us figure out uh, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. We'll probably not listen to you anyway. But hey, if you really love us. Uh, and you want to follow this journey, be a part of the family, because it's really not about money. We're not really making any. <laughs> Head on over to ko-fi.com squawkingdead and just follow us. You don't have to buy us a coffee or join a membership tier. Just follow us. You'll know when we record. You'll know when unedited episode recordings drop. And when, if and when you decide to act, you can pounce on it by tipping us and getting 30 days of access to support back content. Or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar. And that includes access to our discord a dollar there's a, there's a dollar. signal it's a dollar it's a, little, it's a watch a bottle rocket that's uh, that's all it is although that's that was quite the explosion no that was the 40 dollars <laughs> bottle rocket that was that's the 40 dollars tier which is i haven't made up yet but if it's called the watch tier <laughs> so you get to blow up the podcast oh yeah well <laughs> if you if you join the watch tier for a year you can do whatever you want with it <laughs> What is, the, what is the math on that? It's, not, it's actually not as mu- much money as I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> if you commit to buying the Watcher tier for 10 years. <laughs> for ten, yeah, then you can really you, sell it that, and, and yeah, you could, to Disney. Then you could, yeah. And they'll say, fuck you. Are you not ashamed? <laughs> I got not ashamed. Not anyway, ashamed? I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by, briefly, well, for the most part, Charity A.K. Blazy Gardner and uh, Survivor's tier members, Aliza Jones. Bridget and Jasmine. Thank you very much for being here, hosts and listeners alike, and we will hopefully see you in the next one. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Bridget. Bye. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh, Jasmine. Oh, knives out. Thank you so very much for making it to the end of this episode. Yes, we're back with another episode. I'm so glad you listened to it. It's great to be back. It's great to be back breaking down another Walking Dead episode. It is the final season. It is a little bittersweet. We're conscious that it's here and that it's ending, but we're going to give it our best shot to the very end. Now, you're here at the end of this episode, so you know that this that it was brought to you by our Survivors tier members. Yes. Head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead to be a tier member. It doesn't have to be the survivor's tier. It doesn't have to be the walker, the whisper's tier. You can join for as little as a dollar a month to the walker's tier, which gives you basically all the foundational base level perks. The, The higher up tiers only have a couple of extra perks more than just the walker's tier. Uh, and you know, you may, you may not even want those extra perks uh, those perks being the survivors tier uh, grants you access to join us in the episode recordings just like the following members did that's bridget 
at prophecy girl at x prophecy girl on twitter uh at linda peck athens ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy you can catch her all her socials there jasmine at jasmine.iac and at and Eliza jones at Eliza jones 71 on instagram they uh four out of three ain't bad uh, sorry three out of four ain't bad <laughs> for joining us in this episode um but this episode has also been made possible by our survivors tier members who are and there's quite a few that we received uh after the, the quite a few that joined after our jackbox games charity live stream it was a resounding success I, i've mentioned this a couple times but they are ryan hope that's at real uh, ryan gm on twitter there's j13 Voorhees, like the killer on instagram and twitter there's sandy smiley uh at so she's on facebook at sandy uh sandy d morrison and at frosted angel 67 that's alania uh we got rita's fan two on instagram and twitter got at tyler philip cox on instagram and twitter as well as his youtube channel uh, let's talk about the dead which is going to be changing at some point at uh aiden atkin that's at aiden the raven on twitter and of course at judith.morton on instagram excellent photos i mention this every now and again she's great uh so as always yeah you can join uh, any one of these tiers and join the family all tiers give you access to the unedited episode recordings that you can get uh streamed on youtube and an unlisted youtube uh video as well as the ability to download the audio and video on demand uh just ask for it i will send you a direct link to it uh they also all grant you access to our discord even the walkers tier at a dollar a month uh which is very 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 handy to chat with us behind the scenes to get to give us feedback input just talk some shit between episodes um it, it's been such a great tool to mobilize everybody to join us on the episode recordings to uh to even get a couple of extra perks and behind the scenes photos that we don't even put on our coffee page our ko-fi.com/walkingdead consider doing that uh just head over to our page and click the memberships section and uh, join it here you can even do that straight from the homepage instead of tipping us you can actually slide over to the memberships and then join one of them um i've been your host david cameo i i'm very very pleased that i was joined by our three survivors tier members jasmine eliza and our newest member Bridget uh and hopefully we'll get Linda on here soon uh and as well as obviously Sharon DK Blazy Gardner and we missed Cosmom09 Rachel Burt as always she's the north star she's been here so consistently for so long and we missed we missed her very greatly in this episode uh but I'm hoping to catch you listening to the next episode or watching soon thank you and we'll see you in the next one <laughs>